listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Today we're going to be dealing with um, what to expect, what you should expect from the uh, next six months of this year. What you should expect from the next six months of this year. And yes, Gina, we are going to be doing shirts. And uh, Frank said, I want that Victory Tribe shirt. We're going to be doing shirts very, very soon. we got some cool stuff coming, very cool stuff coming, and I'm excited about it. Um, but what you should expect. Now, when we ended last year, and by the way, if you're just now logging on, Please take a minute and share the broadcast today. It gets the word out, helps us to uh, get this word into people's spirits and hearts. But when we started preaching to you last year at the end, the word that kept coming in the spirit is get ready to run in 2021. Get ready to run in 2021. And so uh, we're not even halfway through the year yet. And uh, we're running. <laughs> we're running like we never have. And uh, in every metric, God's blessed us uh, more than we've ever been blessed. And we're being a blessing more than we ever have been a blessing in the past. Both of those things are important, by the way, that not only are you being blessed more than ever, but that you are being a blessing more than ever. Uh, and, and that's easily, it's easily the case uh, here at Miracle Word and the team, everybody, we're just like running to keep up with the vision and um, bringing new people on staff. And uh, it's just growth. It's just constant growth. When we were in Texas, we had the whole team with us uh, together. We spent that week um, together in Rowlett at planning and, and getting everything uh, organized and, and moving forward because there's just so much happening with Miracle Word in the expansion that uh, we have to just stay on top of it um, because God just keeps opening doors. There's just, it's pure momentum. It's pure momentum. And so um, we spent the week not just ministering at the church, but uh, planning and formulating and um, strategizing with the team because there's just so much going on and there's so much that we're doing and want to do. It's amazing. That's a problem I like to have is when you're, you're uh, running to keep up with the vision to keep up with all that God's doing. And that should be your expectation. Now we declared that. Now I didn't make that up. That's something that the Holy Ghost gave me just like the year before when the Lord began to declare, confess violent increase and expedited favor. Well, it's what we saw best year we've ever had. But it's amazing that God keeps getting better and better in everything he does for us. The manifestations keep going to another level. That's what you should expect as well. But now we are coming to the end of the first half of the year. And um, one of the things that people do in the, in the second half of a year, and I want you to keep this in mind, one of the things that people do in the second half of a year is that they begin to slow down. So what happens? Well, summer hits, school's out, and then people start taking it easy through the summer. There's vacations, people travel, nothing wrong with any of those things. Uh, but the tendency in the summertime is to begin to slow down and, and take it easy a little bit more. Uh, the fall hits, but remember what happens. We have September, October, November. We get into the, the holidays. 
And then, you know, again, people start to slow down and, uh, and take it easy. But I want to encourage you with this today. Don't slow down or take it easy in your faith, in your expectation, in your hunger, in your drive, in your motivation. Uh, don't slow down in those areas. It's all right to, you know, go on vacation and travel and rest and do those things, but don't stop pressing in, uh, in the final six months of the year. And I say that because, uh, God always saves the best for last. And so, uh, I can only tell you this, that January through June of 2021 have been by far the best year, uh, m- months of any year that this ministry has ever seen without question. I mean, there's not even, it's not even close. The metrics aren't even close. And so I understand they've been great and we're giving God all the praise for that. We're giving him all the honor and all the glory for that, but we don't stop expecting here. We keep on expecting largely because we know that the last half of 2021 is going to be far greater than the first half. God saves the best for last. And one of the things that I want you to uh, see with me today is that God, and I've mentioned this before, and I want you to get it in your spirit. God doesn't just check on you to see how you're responding and reacting when things are coming against you in times of attack. You know, uh, he doesn't just say, well, are they still praising me when the devil's attacking? Are they still trusting me when the enemy's coming at them? Are they still standing in faith? But he also checks on you when things are going well. And that might be one of the most important checks that God does. It might be the most important check God does. The reason I say that is because when you're under attack or when the enemy's trying to come against you and whenever, whenever these, these things are trying to happen, uh, everybody, <laughs> everybody can call out to God in a crisis, right? That's why we have the, um, the saying that comes from war, there are no atheists in foxholes. Why? Because when you're in trouble, when you need help, anybody, even sinners can call on God when they're in a time of crisis or in, and they need help. Anybody can do that. But how do you react? How do you respond to God uh, and pursue his presence when everything's going very well? The question we ask ourselves, do we only fast and pray when we need a miracle? Do we only get faithful to church when we need a touch? Do we only read our Bible when we're in a, a situation or a problem? And it's like, hey, I'm, I'm battling in my mind. Now I need to look up what are 50 scriptures on peace. You know, is it that? Or do we and will we press into his anointing and into his presence even when things are more blessed than they've ever been? Think about that. How are we responding when God is blessing? How are we responding when God is blessing? And so, uh, as God is blessed and I'm getting all kinds of testimonies and reports from you guys via text message that God's been supernaturally blessing you, taking care of you. It's been the best year of your life. You're seeing increase. And if you're not hold on, because God's going to bless you in these last six months, those that are pressing in. But I want to encourage you, um, even when things are going very well, how am I responding when God is blessing? 
And see, uh, that's, that's how you truly see and understand your love for God. Am I only coming after him when I need something from him? Or what about when I'm overflowing? Am I still just as hungry? And here's really where it takes maturity in the Holy Ghost because it takes people who will pursue his presence in the midst of overflowing blessing. And that's a huge sign of maturity. And it's something that pleases the Lord that we keep coming after him even when things are going well. And so uh, part of what, and I'm going to read to you uh, one of the scriptures we read often, but I I read it so often because uh, learning comes by repetition. Things get into your spirit by repetition. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I'll read you something we read all the time for the victory tribe, because I still want it to stay in your spirit. Proverbs 4:18: the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. And so I want you to get this expectation in your heart. Your path is getting brighter. In fact, those that are watching, I want you to put it in the broadcast comments. My path is getting brighter. My path is getting brighter. Put it in the comment section. My path is getting brighter. That's your confession. That is your declaration over your life. Because of my obedience, because of my faithfulness, because of my faith, my path is getting brighter. And then I take you to Psalm 1, 1 through 3, something Carolyn and I read all the time to you all the time. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like what? A tree planted by streams of water that yields fruit in its season. One translation that bears fruit in every season. His leaf will not wither, And in all that he does, he prospers. So if that's, if that describes and defines who you are, get ready for never ending resource, never ending fruit production, that you're getting into a place where your leaves don't wither and you prosper in all you do. Get ready for that to be your story. And even in a greater measure. So what are we expecting from these final six months? Well, number one, I'm not expecting to slow down. I want you to put that in the comments. Number one, I'm not expecting to slow down. That's number one that we're we're dealing with today. I am not expecting to slow down. Faith moves forward. Faith moves quickly. Hallelujah. Faith moves quickly. I want to give you a, I'll give you a verse of scripture. Psalm 147. I want you to turn there with me. Psalm 147. Not slowing down. But I I want you to see this. This is a powerful, powerful uh, psalm. I love this. God can move so quickly. In 24 hours, God can turn everything around. I mean, when you start seeing these stories in the Bible you realize how quickly God can move on your behalf. Some people, maybe you're being attacked or you're in in the midst of a battle 
You say, man, I haven't seen my increase yet in 2021. Get ready. Because if you think it's going to take God six months to do something for you, he, he doesn't have to take six months. God can turn things around quickly, very quickly. I mean, I'm sure Hezekiah and all the rest of Judah thought that they were going to have to have a long showdown with the Syrian army and King Sennacherib, 185,000 soldiers outside their gates. I'm sure they thought maybe it's going to be a long standoff. And then in one night, God sent one angel and destroyed every single soldier that was standing outside the city gates. And the next morning they were free. The next morning they were free. It doesn't take God long to bless you. Psalm 147 and verse 15, listen, he sends out his command to the earth and his word runs swiftly. Glory to God. Woo. Hallelujah. Put it in the comments. God's word runs swiftly. God's word runs swiftly. What did I tell you? We're going to run in 2021. But one of the things that we're running on is his word and his word runs very swiftly, quickly. His word is quick and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword. His word runs swiftly. Get this in your heart today. Get this in your spirit today. God's word runs very swiftly. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so when God's word goes out, of course, we know this from the book of Isaiah, that when his word goes out, it never returns to him empty or void. It always accomplishes what he sends it to do. And it prospers in the thing whereunto he has sent it. So if God's got a word over your life, it's going to accomplish what he sent it to do. And his word runs very swiftly, very swiftly. So his, his word works quickly. It works quickly. And people say, well, you know, that's the thing. Many times we will put expectations on God like he's a human, (laughs) which is a mistake. We'll put expectations on God like he's a human. And we can't do that. Don't do that. He's the almighty, all sufficient, all powerful God. And he's not confined to the limitations of humanity. He created humanity, but time doesn't stop him. Strength doesn't stop him. Tiredness doesn't stop him. Lack of ideas doesn't stop him. Lack of resources doesn't stop him. Lack of help doesn't stop him. These things do not stop the Lord, your God. They may stop men, but they don't stop your God. And so don't ever judge God through the lens of humanity. He's not a man. He is the almighty, all powerful God, and he's all sufficient. And it doesn't take him long to move. Doesn't take him long to work. And that's the thing I want you to get in your spirit is that you have access to the power of God and his word is running very swiftly in the next six months. You should expect, first of all, don't expect to slow down. That's the first thing that I want to encourage you. Don't expect to slow down, expect to speed up. Expect blessings to speed up, expect, expect things to be expedited in your life. Pick up speed, pick up speed. That's what we're, what we're declaring. And, and we're, we're, we're confessing over our lives, ministries and businesses and families. If you thought the first half was good, get ready for the last half. 
you thought the first half was good, get ready for the last half of what God's about to do. It's going to blow your mind. See, his word runs very swiftly. Okay, so what is, what's, what's going to happen? How are we going to determine we're in the midst of what God's doing? Well, one of the things we keep in front of our eyes is what the Bible says in the Old Testament, 2 Chronicles 16, 9. I always keep this in front of your eyes because it's so important to remember that uh, God's not the one who's determining, as it were, the level to which he's blessing his own children. He gave you a system to walk in gave you commands to obey. And if you do, then the Bible says the blessing comes upon you. Second Chronicles 16, nine for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. I want you to see that now God's eyes are searching. His eyes are searching through the whole earth to find people whose hearts are blameless toward him. One translation says are loyal to him. And what will he do when he finds them? Give them strong support, show himself strong and mighty on their behalf. Let me tell you something. If God has shown himself strong and mighty on your behalf, get ready for miracles to pop like popcorn. Get ready for things to turn quickly around. Get ready for the power of God to be evident, seen, in your life. I know there's a lot of doubters and naysayers and there's a lot of skeptics out there. Let them be skeptical. I'm not going to let myself uh, be found in the position of the captain of the guard on whose uh, hand the king uh, rested or leaned that's found in the book of second Kings and chapter six. I'm not going to be that man who, when the word comes to me, I say, oh yeah, but even if God opened up the windows of heaven, these things couldn't happen. I'm not going to be that person. I'm not going to be that person. In fact, if you go to uh, our blog, miracleword.com forward slash blog, uh, the, um, the, the first article you'll see on that blog is how to, and you can see it there, uh, five effective ways to activate your prophetic word. And I deal with this story and you can go there and check out all the articles. We'll have new articles dropping soon. But one of the things that you're going to see in this story is how to respond to a prophetic word when it comes to you. First of all, don't be like that captain of the guard. Well, I know that's what the word of the Lord said, but you know, if God opened up the windows of heaven, that couldn't even happen. No, don't be that person. I know there's naysayers. I know there's skeptics. And I notice what the prophet said. Oh, it's going to happen. You'll see it, but you'll not be able to eat of or partake of any of it. And of course, you know, the story when, when the word came to pass, the people were so eager to get food. They trampled that captain at the gate until he died. And I'm not going to put myself in a place where my own confession of God's power restricts him in my own life. Now notice it doesn't restrict him from moving. It just stops him from moving for me. (laughs) My doubt doesn't stop God from moving. It just stops him from moving for me. You see that? 
It's very, very important because our own little doubt and unbelief, it doesn't stop the power of God. It just stops the power of God in our own personal lives. And that's a dangerous place to be. So we are not slowing down. Number one, we're not slowing down. We're moving forward and we're moving forward quickly on the word that we've received. Now, number two, we are putting ourselves in position to be seen by God. I want you to put it in the, uh, put it in the comments. Number two, I'm putting myself in position to be seen by God. Here's, here's a misconception I want to deal with today. And that is like, once you're there, you're there. But remember this, if you look at that, it's a daily decision to put yourself in position to be blessed by God. That's a daily decision, daily decision. Paul, Paul said it had to be done daily. I put my flesh under on a daily basis. I don't want to be disqualified. Well, first of all, I don't want to be disqualified from eternity. I don't want to miss out on heaven, but even more than that, I don't want to miss out on any blessings that the Lord has while I'm here on the earth. And so we're making a decision. There's my friend, Pastor Brian Tomes. Love you, man. We're making a decision and saying, I'm going to make sure that I'm in position for promotion. So I guess the better way to put it in, get it, uh, get in position for promotion. (laughs) Put it in like that. Get in position for promotion because not everybody's in position for promotion. There's people doing their own thing. They're not. You say, what do you have to do to be in position for promotion? Well, that's, that's pretty, uh, pretty easy to define. Number one, you stay free from sin. Number two, you uh, constantly are led by the spirit. That's a huge, huge part of this led by the spirit. If you're not, I'm going to deal with this because it's one of the things I wanted to hit today. If you're not led by the spirit and you don't think instructions from God are important, you're missing the methods of the kingdom because everybody who's a son of God is to be led by the spirit of God. Romans eight fourteen. If we miss out on instructions, we're missing out on promotions. So let me break it down to you like this. Uh, people have this misconception that you can just, uh, stay where you're at and do that and maintain it. And the dangerous thing about believing that is that you, you miss this huge point. And the huge point is this, if you're in the midst of doing something and then God gives you an instruction, you can't then choose whether or not you are going to accept that instruction. You can't say, well, it's not like God's given you an option. Like, Hey, you could stay here and do this, or you could come over here and do what I'm telling you. No. When God gives you an instruction, I think Maddie might have to turn me down a little bit. When God gives you an instruction, that's a command to do what he's told you to do and asked you to do. And the reason that I say you can't stay and maintain is because, um, 
the moment you decide to stay and maintain, you're now in disobedience. You're now in disobedience to the instruction of God. I always try to bring it back to this because it's easy. It's easy for people to get the analogy and understand it. Imagine, for example, uh, of uh, just imagine the, the GPS system on your phone, whether it's Google Maps, Apple Maps, or you use something else like Waze. Imagine, imagine something like that. If you put in a destination and you're trying to get there and you don't know how to get there, we understand that the GPS is going to get us there. But notice, every instruction is important. And, and this is so vital that I want you to write it in the comments section. Every instruction is important. You've got to see that today. Every instruction is important. I'm going to show you what I mean. So let's say that you're on your way to some destination and you got your GPS set. Here's the thing. It's going to give you multiple instructions voice prompts during the whole trip. You're not just going to get one <laughs> and it gets you there, right? That your GPS is never just going to say, pull out of the driveway. And that's the last instruction you get until you get your destination. That's never going to happen. There are multiple instructions and every instruction is important. Every instruction is important. And so, for example, uh, you know, if you were, if you were coming down to Florida to go to, to Disney world or, or something like that, if you're on the East coast, most likely you're going to have to get on 95 interstate 95 South. Well, understand something. It's going to take you some previous instructions from the driveway to get you to 95. There is no driveway that pulls out onto I-95. So it's going to take some previous instructions to get you to 95, but also remember this, Interstate I-95 doesn't pull right into Disney World. So there's going to come a time when you're going to have to take an exit and change your course in order to get where you wanna go. Are you gonna tell me that that instruction's not important? It's like, no, no, I just wanna, I, I know that the thing's telling me to get off 95 on exit 376B, but no, I, I, I'm, just, I'm just gonna stay right here. I'm comfortable on it. I like the flow of traffic. I like the flow of traffic on 95. I like, I like the way it flows. I like the speed I'm going. I, if, I, if I do that, I gotta change directions. I gotta do something else. I gotta, and, and you gotta remember this, every instruction's important. Because if you just said, no, I'm going to maintain the way I'm going. I'm just going to, I'm just going to stay on I-95. You'll never get to Disney World. You'll never get to your final destination. Why? Because you got an instruction and you decided, well, I just want to maintain where I'm at rather than making that change. Yeah, but you know what? If I, here's the thing. If I'm going to take 376B right now, I'm in the fast lane. I would have to merge like five times on this five lane highway I would have to get over. I would have to put the blinker on. I have to check my mirrors. You know, I have to stop doing what I'm doing and go do something else. And then once I get off the exit, I'm going to have to slow down, obviously, because it's not the same speed. Is not. And there's all these changes. Yes, there are. But see, the instruction's important because it's taking you somewhere you want to go. And that's the key. Uh, 
AJ said, and I don't get to pick which instruction to follow or not follow and still arrive at my destination. And here's the thing about Romans 8, 14, that the, the sons of God, they're led by the spirit of God. And so I don't get to choose which things that God says. First of all, I don't get to choose what he tells me. <laughs> Second of all, when he tells me, I don't get to choose which ones I obey. I've got to obey them all because it takes all the instructions to get me to my destination. Oh man, I wish somebody would catch this today. Put that in the comments. It takes all the instructions to get me to my destination. So vital. It takes all the instructions to get me to my destination. Not half of them, not three quarters of them, not even 90% of them. So I, I obey 90% of the time. Yeah, you're still not there. It takes all the instructions to get to your destination. And the, and the thing that I want you to catch with me today is that the reason God gives you instructions and leading and guidance, it's not because he wants to manipulate you. It's not because he wants to move you around like a marionette puppet. It's because he loves you and he has a chosen end for you. He has a place of blessing for you. And it takes all the instructions to get to my destination, all of them. Let me show you this in the Old Testament. This is even true in the Old Testament. You know, Abraham uh, was going to obey an instruction from the Lord, right? What was the instruction? Let me, let me show you his instructions in this story because this will help you in a massive way. Okay, so first of all, God tells Abraham, you're going to be the father of many nations. But then, the, then there comes an instruction to him. And there were previous instructions before this one, you know, uh, go out from the land that you came up in and go to a land that I'll show you all that. But let me, let me show you this. God gives him an instruction. Take now your son, your only son, Isaac, to a place that I will show thee and sacrifice him to me there. All right. So here's the first instruction. Take your son on a journey because he was not at the place God told him to go to sacrifice his son. So the first instruction seemed kind of vague. Just start moving. Start heading out to a place that I'll show you. God was giving him live instruction and direction, live heavenly GPS on the, on the route. And so Abraham obeys the first instruction takes his son and a servant and a donkey and they head out. They head out. Well, now he started the trip. He has started the trip and he's on the way. And so he obeyed the first instruction. But now what do we do? Because Abraham doesn't know where he's going. So what are you going to just pick any random mountain? Are you going to pick any random mountain? Are you the, the guide or is God the guide? See, that's why I don't make, we don't make random decisions. We don't just decide to do what we want to do. We wait for an instruction from the Holy Ghost. This is why I tell people, don't make important life decisions without fasting and prayer. Don't just marry anybody. Don't just uh, take any career. Don't just go to any college. Don't just move anywhere. Don't just go to any church. Be led by the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. Is Abraham going to choose what mountain he sacrifices Isaac on? No. 
God said to a place that I will show thee. The first instruction was just get moving by faith. So he did. So he did. And here he is traveling through the desert. Lord, is it this mountain? No. Is it this mountain? No. Well, this one looks kind of good. So I think I'm going to take it. No, it's not that one. So here you have another choice. Come upon a mountain and choose it. Even the Lord didn't say choose it and go up and do your thing or wait for that instruction. Wait for that instruction. He waited and he got to the mountain. This is the one. Now he knows instruction. Number two, here's your mountain. Take this exit. Take this exit. Take this exit. Notice that I like what uh, my friend, pastor Rob Conover said, when you trust God, you'll be more inclined to follow his instructions. Just like we trust our GPS. Nobody looks at their GPS after they put the destination in and goes, Oh, you don't know what you're talking about. Nobody does that. They trust it. They trust Apple and Google, even though they probably should not, (laughs) but they can trust the GPS. And so notice this, Abraham got that next instruction. Here it is. Instruction number two, take this exit, take this exit. And then he did. And then he goes and starts traveling up the mountain, goes up the mountain. What did he do? Number three, he did what was hard for him to do. He built an altar and here's what's mind blowing to me. His son, who scholars believe would have been around 30 something years old, some say 33 at this time and Abraham, 133, his son has to also be willing to obey an instruction because I don't know if you've ever seen a fight before, but I'd have never seen a 133 year old man that could take out a 33 year old man. And so let me just tell you something. If Isaac didn't want to be sacrificed that day, he didn't have to be because he could have easily and with strength overpowered his father, who would have been an older man and said, I ain't doing it. (laughs) You ain't putting me on that altar. You ain't lying me down and putting, pulling a knife out. But it shows you that it's not just Abraham that believed the instruction of God. Isaac also believed the instruction of God. Isaac also believed and was willing to lay down on the altar. Instruction number three followed. What's instruction number four? Now take out your knife. He was willing. Listen, he knew that this was his only son of promise. I could get in. Man, I could preach on this right here. I could take a break and preach on this part right here for another hour because Uh, it's very interesting when you study, when you study the original language of the Bible, it's very interesting to note that, uh, when you hear the, 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 uh, the phrase that we've heard for years from the King James Bible, the only begotten son of God, the only begotten son of God, only this word in the Greek language, only it's very interesting, uh, word when you study it in the Greek language, because if you go back to Genesis, to this story of Abraham and Isaac, the same Greek word in the Septuagint, which is the Greek old Testament, the same Greek word in the Septuagint is used for Isaac that is used for Jesus. And it's interesting when you study, uh, the etymology of this word and the word is monogamous, 
Monogamous. It means it's translated only begotten, but I think that's a very poor translation because it's the same word for Isaac. And many scholars believe it's a poor translation, which is why more modern versions of the Bible change the ways it's rendered in English. A better way to say it than only begotten is your unique one of a kind. Man, I could preach on this because catch this now. When you go back to the story of Abraham, Isaac was not his only son, right? At the time God gave him this instruction, he also had Ishmael. He had two sons. He had Isaac, the younger one, and Ishmael, the older one. But when the instruction of the Lord came to Abraham, do you know what he said? The the instruction was this, take now thy son, thy monogamous, thy only son. Monogamous means only son. And so understand when you catch this meaning, God was not saying you don't have another son. He was saying, take your unique one of a kind son. Man, this will make you shout. This will make you shout. Take your unique one of a kind son. It's not that he didn't have another son, but that son came through works with his wife's handmaiden. But this son came through faith and the promise. Hallelujah. And Isaac was a type of Jesus. And notice this. He was saying, take now thy monogamous huios, thy only son or thy unique one of a kind son, your son of promise, your son of covenant and sacrifice him. When it comes to the New Testament and John is, and there are many uh, point, John that wrote the gospel of John uh, points many times back to Genesis. He points many times back to Genesis and, and he's developing, especially in the first chapter and really through the whole gospel, he's developing his theology of who Jesus is. If you read John 1, 1, it's an, it's an allusion back to the first chapter of Genesis in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He's alluding back to Genesis 1, 1. So when he says there that he's the only begotten of God or the, you know, he talks about the only begotten son. It's really saying that Jesus is God's unique and one of a kind son, because even today you can't call Jesus. You can't call Jesus the only begotten son of God because he's no longer the only son that there is. All of us, the Bible says are sons of God. All of us are sons. So Jesus is not the only son, but he's the unique son. He's the one of a kind son. He's the covenant son. And in another place, John says it this way in, in his prologue in the first chapter, the only begotten God. So it's the monogamous theos. It's the only or the unique and one of a kind God. Why is Jesus the unique and one of a kind God, because there has never been a God in a flesh body to take away the sins of the world. He's the monogamous theos. He is the only one of a kind, unique God, the one in the flesh. Hallelujah. The word made flesh that dwelt among us. And so when, when Abraham gets this, uh, 
uh, instruction from the Lord, take now your unique one of a kind son. That was an instruction that in itself took faith because if the promise was going to come to pass, how are you going to be the father of many nations if you're not even the father of one son? Hmm. So he had to obey and believe God. And so that shows you Isaac also believed God. <laughs> it, it's the same that if it, this is where I could preach this because it's the same about Jesus. You know, Jesus was all God and all man at the same time, which means that when he went to the cross, just like Isaac went to the altar, that means Jesus had to believe the prophets. He had to believe the word of God that even though he would be uh, taken or lay down his life, he also had to believe by faith that he would be resurrected. That's right, Rob. Both sons believed the father. And that shows that Jesus, just like Isaac, was willing to lay down his life with the belief, I'm coming back again. Hallelujah. Coming back again. And see, this was a big instruction for Abraham because, hey, if I take this boy out, he's my only son of promise. Where's the generations going to come from? But he held that knife up and was ready. And as he's coming down, the Bible says an angel stopped his hand, stopped his hand. Now there's another instruction. There's another instruction. If Abraham would have said, no, no, I'm not changing now. I'm not changing now. I got here. I came all this way. I built the altar. My son's laying down and I'm, I'm not stopping now. If he would have not stopped that one disobedience to that instruction would have stopped the whole thing, ended his whole destiny that God had planned for him. But again, Abraham obeyed another instruction. GPS spoke up again. Wait, don't do it. Wait. And Abraham obeyed another instruction and kept himself from doing what God truly didn't want him to do. And then look, look what God did. He looked over and what did he see? A ram caught up in the thicket. Hallelujah. Caught up in the thicket. And you know what the powerful thing is about that? Is that if he was going to sacrifice this ram unto God, it had to be a perfect and spotless ram. Now you tell me, what are the odds and the chances that Abraham travels through the wilderness, finds a random mountain that God points out, goes all the way to the top, is, builds an altar, and then he, all he has to do is just look over. He just looks over. And there's a ram that's not just any ram. It's a spotless ram. It's a perfect ram. It's ready to be sacrificed and God could accept it. That's not an accident. God put that ram there. Notice what God is doing. He's saying, if you'll follow my instructions, I will put your provision right in your future and tangle it up there and make it wait for you to arrive. And then once you arrive, all you'll have to go, do is walk over and take your provision. What am I saying today? As we expect the next six months of, of 2021, I'm saying that if we'll put ourselves in position for promotion, every instruction matters. 
every instruction matters. It takes us to the place where the increase is, where the provision is. That's where you're headed. That's where I'm headed to the place where the provision is. I'm not going to miss out on my provision. You're not going to miss out on your provision. It's going to be the best six months we've seen in Jesus name. Why? Because we are being faithful to the word of God. We will obey the word of God and we'll put ourselves in position to be found by God. You know, once you read these uh, verses and you understand how God operates, then you start to realize that some of these verses, they're not random. They're not random. Let me read you one that's not random. Psalm 75, six and seven. This is not random, by the way. For not from the east or from the west and not from the wilderness or the south comes promotion. But it's God who executes judgment, putting down one and lifting up another. Promotion comes from the Lord. Doesn't come from men, corporations, or governments. Doesn't come from the east or the west or the south. It comes from the Lord, and He alone decides who will rise and who will fall. But we read that sometimes and people think, yeah, He's just sovereignly picking and choosing who will rise and who will fall. No, He's not. No, He's not. He's choosing people based upon what His eyes have found. Are you going to obey my commands? Are you going to obey my commands? He did this in the Old Testament. Can't tell me that this isn't God, how God operates. Look at Deuteronomy 28, one. And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord, your God, being careful to do all of his commandments that I command you today, the Lord will set you on high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings will come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord, your God. And then it goes on to list all the blessings. Did you see that? What was the key? If you'll obey the instructions, then the blessing will come. Doesn't randomly come. It doesn't randomly come. It comes to those who obey the covenant. I want you to put this in the comments today because it's important for Christians to understand the blessing of God isn't random. The blessing of God isn't random. It's systematic. It's systematic. God's not pulling names out of a hat. (laughs) See you, Diane. God's not pulling names out of a hat. It's systematic. Glory to God. It's systematic. He's looking for people to see where their hearts are, to see what they do with their actions. Will they obey? Isaiah 119, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Spoken to Israel. Look now, we see it in the New Testament. And I I always put this in front of you because if there's one thing we're going to do is smash that stupid hyper grace teaching that God doesn't care about your decisions. God doesn't care about your actions and he doesn't care about your, uh, your obedience or disobedience because it's not about you. It's about what Jesus did. That's stupid. It's not in the Bible. It's straight foolishness. Let me show you something Jesus said in the gospel of John chapter 14. The reason I read this over and over and over and over again is because there's a lot of people that say they love Jesus, 
but Jesus proves here they don't really love him. And so you can go to church, you can say you're a Christian, you can say you love God, but the proof is in the pudding. It's in the pudding. Listen to John 14, 21. Jesus speaking. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, that means obeys them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. Does it blow your mind that Jesus is saying the love of the father, the love of him, his, his own love, Christ's love, and his manifestations and revelations are reserved for those who love him and prove that love by their obedience. Does that blow your mind? Raise your hand in the comments if you've ever heard people teach, God loves everybody the same. Raise your hand in the comments if you've heard people teach, God loves everybody the same. (laughs) Because if he does, I've got some questions for you. This is the English Standard Version, Liz, ESV. Raise your hand if you've heard that. God loves everybody the same. He loves us all the same. A lot of hands going up. If you believe that, or if you've heard that, I've got some questions for those people. Are you ready for some of the questions? If God loves everybody the same, and by the way, remember this, and let me ask you, just so we're on the same page. Does God ever change? Does God ever change? Is his nature ever changed? Waiting for some answers in the comments. Does God ever change? Is Jesus Christ different or is he the same? God doesn't change. You're all right. All of you put no, no, God never changes. He doesn't change. He's the same. Do you know God still requires a blood sacrifice for sin today, just like he did in the Old Testament? The only difference is Jesus gave an eternal blood sacrifice that is ever present in the throne room, ever present. So we don't have to do it again and again and again because Jesus did it once and forever. Doesn't mean God changed. He didn't stop requiring blood. He still requires it. It's just that Jesus gave an eternal blood. You see, all right, well, if you understand that God doesn't change and his nature is always the same, that means that if you say, well, that's the God of the New Testament, but the God of the Old Testament didn't love everybody the same. Well, he's not different. He's the same. So if you say God, part of his nature is he loves everybody the same, then that means Old Testament God and New Testament God both love everybody the same because he doesn't change. It's either true or it's not true. So if you feel like God loves everybody the same, can I ask you a few questions? Number one, did he love Pharaoh as much as Moses? Here's a question for you. Did he love Pharaoh as much as he loved Moses? Because for Moses, he opened up the Red Sea. For Pharaoh, he closed it. Did God love Pharaoh's army 
like he loved the children of Israel that were exiting Egypt. Did he love those two people groups the same? Did he love Pharaoh's army the same way he loved the children of Israel? Well, let's take a look at his actions. Pharaoh and his army are chasing after Israel and Moses. And the Bible says Moses raises his staff. God walks out ahead of them. The sea parts. And on dry ground, Moses and all of the children of Israel go through to safety. Then God kept the sea open for one purpose. Catch this now. God could have closed the sea after they came through and, and just put a barrier between Pharaoh and Moses. And then notice what happened. He called Pharaoh into the Red Sea, called the, 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 he called the uh, army into the Red Sea, and then destroyed every last one of them, killed them. Did you know the Bible says that uh, God continued to, first of all, raised Pharaoh up to show his own glory? Bible teaches that he raised Pharaoh up to show his own glory and his power. He allowed Moses to speak to Pharaoh multiple times and warn him and say, let my people go. And then the Bible says that God specifically hardened Pharaoh's heart time and time again, so that he would not let God's people go so that God could smack Egypt and smack Pharaoh again, plague after plague after plague. Does that sound like something God does to people that he loves? No. Did, did Pharaoh ever have a chance to be saved? Does God love Pharaoh the same as Moses? It's the, the, the obvious answer to all these questions is no, he did not. No, he did not. God did not kill Pharaoh because he loved him. He didn't kill the soldiers because He loved them. He loved Moses and he loved his children and he delivered them and killed their enemies. That's right. Yanil, you've you've come to it. That's proof he loves us differently. No question. And Jesus is making, he's making this distinction in the New Testament here. It's those who obey the word of God, they are qualified for the love of God and for the love of Christ and for the manifestations of Christ. That's what Jesus said. Not only will I love those who obey me, I'll manifest myself to them. One of the reasons people don't experience the manifestations of Christ, the manifestations of God's power is because they don't obey his word. Obedience to the word of God puts you in position for the manifestations of Christ. Woo! Powerful, man. Nobody likes to hear a responsibility-based gospel. You know what people like to hear? I'll tell you. They like to turn on Christian TV and hear stuff like this. I don't care what you've done. I don't care who you... Get ready for a double portion. Get ready for a breakthrough. Get ready. I don't care what problems you're facing. That's what they like to hear. That it doesn't matter what you do. 
Doesn't matter who you're running around with. Doesn't matter what you, what you, you know, uh, if you give or don't give. I've actually heard people pray that during the offering at churches, Lord, bless those who give and bless those who don't. Uh, that's not in the Bible, (laughs) not in the Bible, stupid prayer from somebody that doesn't read their Bible. Bless those that give and bless those that don't. Bless those that have to give and bless those that have not to give. Stupid prayer from people who don't read their Bible. Because let me tell you something. If God knows that you give, if God knows you're a giver, the Bible's clear. He gives seed to the sower. He gives seed to the sower. So if you don't have seed to sow, it's because you've been irresponsible in the past and God's not put seed in your hand because he knows you're in your heart. You're not a giver. And let me tell you something. If you think, well, that's, well, that's too harsh. It's statistically proven, especially in America, less 10% or less of the church, even tithes. And that's not even giving. That's just tithing. Giving does not happen until you're, you've given your tithe. It's not the same thing. It's why we're doing this series with the kids at Miracle Word Kids this week. So kids will even understand the tithe is not the same as the offering. Tithe is not the same as the offering. You've not given God one offering until you've paid your tithes. People don't get that. And less than 10% of the church even tithes. And when people are like, I don't know why I'm not seeing my financial blessing. Pick me. I can tell you. Because if God knows you're not, so I don't, I just don't, I can't afford to give. There's a reason you can't afford to give. It's because you've consumed it upon your own lusts and you, you don't, you don't release into the kingdom. Do you realize, uh, Christy said, that's a crazy statistic and hard to comprehend. And that's true. But do you realize how much money would flow into the body of Christ If Christians, all Christians would only, not just not give, would only pay their tithes. If they only obeyed that one thing from the word, do you know how much money would flow into the body of Christ? Do you know how much we could do? Do you you realize how much we could accomplish for the kingdom if Christians would only obey the one simple instruction to pay their tithes? Well, obviously, as you know, you'd have, you'd have billions of dollars flow into the kingdom of God. Billions, maybe over a trillion dollars annually, probably. You think about that. You think about that. And so, it's amazing to me that people complain about not being blessed, but they don't wanna do the things that it takes to get blessed. That's what I'm teaching today, is that in the final half of 2021, we are going to run even faster, run even harder into the blessing of God and put ourselves in position for promotion by obeying the instructions of the word and obeying the instructions of the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's why we gotta be people that pray. How are you gonna hear the Holy Spirit's voice if we don't pray? Thank you, Ava, for partnering with us. How are we going to hear the Holy Spirit's voice if we don't even talk to him? And that's why it's so important that we pray. Your tithe should be given, Gina. 
You can split offerings any way you want. AJ's right. If people would just tithe, we wouldn't have to do any more churchyard sales, donut sales, chocolate bars, car washes, clothing drives. None of that stuff, that's foolishness, would have to be necessary. You know why churches are relegated to that? Because the people in the church would rather give away their old Jaws t-shirt from 1984 than they would just pay their tithes. And I can talk like this because I'm not a pastor and I don't have a church. I, and I'm, I'm not saying this for my own personal gain because you don't tithe to me. But people need to hear it. The reason that we have to walk around and do stupid stuff like paupers is because people of God are withholding from God what is his. And so, on, you know, now in order to get the youth to be able to go to youth camp, we have to actually sell candy bars instead of the, the church being able to have an excess to send young people to youth uh, camp or to conferences in order to do any of the things. You know, we have to sit around, go buy a poster board from Walmart and draw a thermometer on it with marker and then, you know, with dollar amounts going up the side because we want to change the roof on the church. And so as a result, we have to wait and color it in every week as people give to the roof fund and it takes three years to have the money come in because people are so tight that we've got to sit around, we've colored it up to $1,000, only 19000 more to go. And, we, you know, sitting there as people drop in little tips to God, $3 bills, we're sitting around having to look like paupers in the body of Christ because people are withholding what belongs to God. And people, I don't know why I'm not blessed. Pick me. I can tell you why you're not blessed. I want to give offerings and I do, and I do. And I'm not saying this to brag on myself. I'm saying it to brag on God because he's the one that gives seed to the sower. I want to give offerings that are so large that if religious people saw my giving statements, they would pee their pants. I want my accountant to be uncomfortable with how much money I'm giving away. And she probably already is. You understand what I'm saying? I want, to give money, I want to give more money away than most people make in a year. And we've already done that. Can I tell you, in the first five months, we've given away more money than we ever have in a 12-month period, ever, ever. Largest one-time offerings we've ever given. We've already broken all of our records in the first five months of this year, already. I want to give so much. I'm going to write a million-dollar check into the kingdom. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I will write a $1 million offering check. I will do it. There is no question about that. I will do it. I want the kind of giving that when wicked people hear about it, they get angry just knowing I had that much money as a preacher. I want wicked people angry with the amount of money that I have in my ministry and in my life. And they probably already are. They won't like what I drive. They won't like what I live in. They won't like what the ministry owns. They will not like what the ministry does. They won't. I'm going to fulfill the Psalm 112 and verse number 10 promise that when the wicked see what God has done in my life and ministry and family, they will grind their teeth in anger and melt away. Because <laughs> I'm going to tell you something. I refuse to walk around like a pauper because there are other people who refuse to obey the word of God. 
And let me just give you another thing at the, towards the end of this, because we're going to pray in a minute. But let me just give you another thing. Don't ever let people shame you for the level of blessing in which you're walking. Don't ever let that happen. Don't ever let people say stupid stuff to you like, well, you know, there are those that don't have. Like we don't bless the poor. You know, the people that talk like that, they don't do crap for the poor. They don't do anything. They don't do anything. Same, the people that talk like that, they don't do a thing to bless the poor. Well, you know, how could you drive something like that when you could have drove something that costs half that much and given the rest to the poor? Well, thanks for your input, Judas. Because I guarantee you something, we give far more money to the poor than you ever will in your life. That blows my mind. And then the, and then the people of God have to walk around acting like they're ashamed for the level of blessing. You know how I got here? By giving it away. <laughs> that's how I got where I'm at. You know, I got in this studio that's all paid for with all the equipment paid cash for, and I have zero debt in my ministry, zero. You know how? By giving all of it away. That's right. Pastor Kim Gibb, the people with the biggest mouths are the smallest givers, and that's exactly right. So don't let some stingy little giver, or if they give anything at all, if they even serve the Lord, make you feel ashamed for the level of blessing that's in your life. Don't, don't be ashamed of it. Be a, you know what? Be, get happy when they get mad at you. Get happy about it. Zach, who works with us now, just sent me a picture on, uh, I think via Instagram, of the inside of Drake's jet. Drake doesn't have a golf stream. Drake's not driving, flying around in a Learjet. He has a 767. Listen to me. Drake is flying a 767, a passenger plane that he's torn the whole inside out and spent millions on making... I mean, go look at pictures of the inside of Drake's plane. Here's a dude that's just rapping. Toronto Raptors win the, win the uh, championship. He flies them over the city of Toronto all night in his 767. And everybody's all... Let a Christian get one nice thing. Let a Christian get... You know, you know what I can't find on the internet? I can't find... I can't find any articles. I can't believe that Drake has a 767 when he could have got a smaller plane and given the rest to the poor. I can't find those articles. I can't find any Good Morning America uh, in-depth interviews on the scandal. This just in, rapper Drake flies a 767 plane. I can't find any of those. All the ones I see are on preachers and Christians. You know why? Because the spirit of this world doesn't want you to have anything. They don't want the Christians to be blessed. They don't want Christians to walk in abundance. You know why? Because if we do, then we've got the resources to do whatever God wants done and money answers all things and they get ticked off when we have the resources to do what we want to do because it destroys the kingdom of darkness. 
destroys the kingdom of darkness. That plane is valued at $185 million. Thank you, Miss Hale. More than double what everybody gave Creflo Dollar and Jesse Duplantis and Kenneth Copeland and all these others a hard time because they spent, bought a $60 million jet for the work of the ministry. And here they are, something that's more than double, almost three times. It's three times. Look at that. Zach Ramsey with $220 million in interior customization. <laughs> I mean, and they're get, get, giving people a hard time. Christians driving around in Mercedes. Christians driving around in Bentleys. They're, they got a problem when God's people are blessed. Thanks, Judas, for your input. If you think that the Victory Tribe is ever going to be ashamed that we are walking around in the blessing of God, you've got another thing coming. The entire interior is overlaid in Louis Vuitton leather. Louis Vuitton. Just let a Christian get a Louis Vuitton bag and see what people have to say. Oh, you paid that much for a purse, did you? Absolutely. Didn't even get a sale. Paid full price. Because I can. People are unbelievable. And the spirit of this world wants to make you feel like you shouldn't have or you should feel ashamed that, you've, that you're walking in the blessing of God. Never feel ashamed. Just remember, I want you to remember this. Just remember, and here, here's where I don't get. You know, and I, and I know we don't love things. I don't love things. I have them though. I don't love things, but I've got them. I can tell you that. I've got them. There's my friend, powerful preacher, Pastor Nathan Miller. I don't love things, but I've got things. You know why? Because it's impossible to please the Lord with your giving and not have things. Yeah. Preacher wearing Yeezys should have used that money to feed people in the Amazon. Do you ever think about this, you genius? Here, here's what blows my mind. All these nut jobs, preachers and sneakers. Do you know he paid $3,000 for those shit? He could have used that money to bless the poor. Let me tell you something. They're not mutually exclusive, genius. You can still bless the poor abundantly and still have nice things. Find me a place in the Bible where Jesus ever told his apostles or the Christians in the early church that you have to sell every single thing you have and give it to the poor. Do you know he only ever said that to one man? He said it to the rich young ruler. And the reason he obviously said it is because he could see that the things that the rich young ruler owned were controlling him rather than the other way around. Because when he gave him that instruction, you know what he said? The Bible says he went away sorrowful for he had many possessions. And as my grandfather preached for years, many possessions had him. He didn't tell Peter to do that. He didn't tell Paul to do that. He didn't tell James to do that. In fact, the early church was blessed. No needs among them, the Bible says. They had everything in common, no needs. And so, 
Let me just tell you something. Yeah, you're not going to eradicate poverty. Winona, as the court, Jesus said that the poor you'll always have with you. And that's the case. If we equally distributed wealth today, tomorrow you'd have rich people and poor people. It's just the truth. You're not going to eradicate poverty completely. You can do what the Bible says and bless the poor. And we do abundantly. You're never going to hear me apologize. Never going to hear me apologize for the house I live in. And it's nice. The truck that I drive and it's nice. Anything God's put in my hand, anything, and they are nice. And I'm not going to apologize for that because I bless people. I give to the kingdom. It's my right to walk in the blessing of God. And I don't make any apology. If anybody ever sees the preacher in first class or flying in a private jet, you'll never hear me apologize or uh, uh, try to act like, you know, Oh, you know, we got a good deal on this and that's why we were able to do it. And, you know, we had somebody give us that wholesale price and then I was able to get a good trade in amount. I don't, I don't have any excuses. I don't have to wait for a sale to make it happen. And I'm not irresponsible, but I'm also not going to walk around with a poverty mindset clipping coupons at the car dealership. It's not going to happen. And you shouldn't feel ashamed. You shouldn't feel like the spirit of this world tries to make you feel guilty because you've got something nice. Oh, got a new house, did you? Yeah. Happy to. I don't own one house. I own two houses. I'm on my way to three houses. Because if you're wise, guess what you can have? Investments. <laughs> and you can leave an inheritance to your children's children. I'm not renting from people. I'm renting two people. And I want you to hear this because we're going to run in 2021. We're going to run in 2021. And we're not going to run out. We're running to increase provision and the goodness of God. We're putting ourselves in position by obeying the word and obeying the leading of the Holy Ghost. And that's the plan. That's the plan. I'm just going to keep on increasing and keep on increasing and keep on increasing, making wicked people angrier and angrier and angrier until they don't have any teeth left and they have to get dentures. That's the level of blessing that the Victory Tribe is going to walk in. Denture causing blessing. Because people have ground their teeth in anger until there's no teeth left. <laughs> the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. It's not for them. So keep building up my wealth and then give it to me. That's the kind of blessing you should expect. And don't ever be apologetic. And let me tell you, there is a temptation because this, the spirit of this world and religion wants to make you feel like it's wrong to have things. It's not wrong to have things. It's wrong for things to have you. There's a difference. It's not wrong to have money. It's wrong to love money. <laughs> there's the, there's the difference. It's not wrong to have money. It's wrong to love money. Every instruction's important. Let me tell you, somebody needs to share this broadcast. If you haven't shared it, you need to share it. Everybody on Facebook needs to share this because people need to hear it. And Christians need to stop apologizing. 
because we are the the children of the King, the all-sufficient, most high God. He knows how to bless you. He knows how to bless you. You know what I'm believing for you? That you're coming out of credit card debt. You're coming out of student loan debt. You're coming out. Mortgages are going to be paid off. Cars are going to be paid off. That you're not going to be uh, somebody that's always looking for somebody to give you a deal, but you'll be giving other people deals. That you'll not have to be the one that borrows. You'll be the one that lends in Jesus' name. That's what I'm believing. Standing with you. You're not going to be the one that borrows, but the one that lends. That the rich treasury of God's heavens will open up over your house. And that you will abound and you will overflow. You will be the greatest blessings of the poor of anybody in the history of your family. That you will give away more money into the kingdom of God than people make in a year. That's the, that right there, that right there is the key. If you will dedicate yourself to God, make it a goal. Say, Lord, I want to give you more than what others make. Set this as your goal. Lord, let the average income of the United States citizen become my tithe in Jesus name. Make that your confession in your prayer. If God knows that's your heart, he gives seed to the sower. Make it your confession. Lord, let my tithe be the average income of the United States citizen. Let that be my tithe. I think that's somewhere between 18 and $22,000. 18 and $22,000. Ask God to let that be your tithe because you're making 180,000 or $220,000 a year. Let it be your declaration. And then you know what you do when you hit that place? Ask God, Lord, let me move to the next level. Let me tithe America's average household income, which is somewhere between 37 and $40,000. Hallelujah. And watch what God will do. He gives seed to the sower. What are we doing? We're obeying the word. We're living holy. We are listening for the voice of the Holy Spirit. We're being led by the Spirit. We are putting ourselves in position for financial increase by sowing the largest seeds we've ever sown. I'm not laying off. I know you're not laying off. We're going to sow like we've never sown. (laughs) And I'm telling you, I can't wait. I am looking forward to the day that I write that $1 million check. And it will happen in Jesus' name. It will happen in Jesus' name. Carolyn and I will sow $1 million into the kingdom of God. Amen. It's going to take place. And then I'm believing beyond that. Beyond that. But that's my first goal. It's my first goal. I'm going to pray for those of you that are watching because I'm, I'm just stirring your faith today as to what to expect in these next six months. Don't expect to slow down. Expect to ramp up. Expect to speed up. Expect the momentum to explode. Expect the blessings to flow. Expect the miracles to happen. Watch as God moves on your behalf. It's going to be supernatural. You don't, you're not supposed to look like everybody else. Who cares about uh, what everybody else looks like? Their story is not going to be your story. Expect the, the greater. Let me give you this verse before we pray. Ephesians 3.20. Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly 
and above all that we could ask or think according to the power that works in us. He does exceeding abundantly and above. That's what you should expect. Exceeding abundantly and above. (laughs) Put those three words in the comments. Exceeding abundantly and above. Exceeding abundantly above. That's what you should expect. Hallelujah. I can't wait. July is going to hit. We're finishing out this month strong. July is going to hit and we're going to run like we've never run. Exceeding abundantly above. Drop that in your spirit and run with it. If you've got to write those three words down on paper, put them in your bathroom, put them in your car, put them on your refrigerator, do what you got to do. Exceeding abundantly above. Let me pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I'm asking you to speak clearly to every one of us. Not only are we living holy according to your word, but we desire to hear the instructions of the Holy Spirit, the leading of the Holy Spirit. We thank you that you're a God who leads us into increase. You teach us to profit. And so I'm asking you today, speak to every one of us by your Holy Spirit. Give us clear instructions for the final six months of this year. And as we step out, let us run with more momentum than we ever have. Let us do more for the kingdom. Let us win more souls. Let us see more lives change. Let us bless the poor in a greater measure. Let us see the manifestations of the Holy Spirit in our own family. Let our children experience the power of God like like they never have. Let our children be filled with the Holy Spirit at the earliest possible age in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Give us a greater hunger for your word. Give us a greater hunger for the anointing. And we thank you. We give you honor and we give you glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. If you believe it, throw some fire in the comments section and thank God that it's getting ready to come to pass in Jesus' mighty name. Jesus' mighty name. Praise God. Love you, Rob. Rob, I'm going to send you some pictures today. I'll shoot some pictures to your phone. Um, Here at the end of the broadcast, you've heard what I've been encouraging you. It's time like never before to step out. Hey, Mike, I'm encouraging you to partner with us. Stand with us. The Victory Tribe, we're moving forward. We're not moving backward. Faith moves forward. Doesn't move backwards. And so I want to encourage you. One of the things I always try to keep this vision in front of you all the time. One of the things that's getting ready to take place. uh, We're finishing up one project and then we're going to expand our television ministry to 39 million more families. And uh, we're going to hit every island in the Caribbean now. We're on the entire island of Jamaica. We're on in 180 nations of the world, but we're on in Jamaica island-wide, but we're going to hit every island in the Caribbean with the gospel of Christ. 39 million people, more people than live in the nation of Canada. And um, I want to encourage you because God has a plan to bless you abundantly. The increase doesn't come randomly as I've been teaching. It comes from seed sown. And we've been praying and God's answering our prayers. And I want you to ask the Lord, what is it 
What is it? <laughs> Someone put, please watch, please watch a watchman on YouTube saying the rapture will be this June 25th. That's tomorrow. <laughs> Dr. Barry all that's tomorrow. Um, what is it that you could do to stand in partnership? Ask yourself that and pray and ask the Lord, what is he leading you to do? See, because here's the thing. There are people that watch daily. There are Victory Tribe members that the Lord's been speaking to you. I know this because people have told me this. <laughs> I know this because people have told me this. They say it when they begin to partner and they'll say, man, the Lord's been speaking to me to partner with your ministry. I just never stepped out by faith to do it, but he's been speaking. He's been speaking. And, um, there's people watching right now and listening right now that the Lord's been speaking to you too, to partner with this ministry. Maybe it's at $85 a month. Maybe it's at hundred dollars a month. Maybe it's at $500 a month, whatever it is. I want to encourage you to go to miracleword.com and click on that partner page and fill out that form and stand with us like the Lord's leading you to do, you'll be blessed. You'll be abundantly blessed. I'm praying that the same increase that's upon this ministry and our family is going to come upon you, your family, your business, your ministry in Jesus name, same increase, same blessing as you're connected with us. Same blessing. And so I want to encourage you, you can see there on the screen, there's multiple ways to give. You can use PayPal, Cash App, Venmo, hashtag donate on Twitter and Facebook, uh, Zelle, if you do Zelle transfers, if you'd like to do that. Uh, we even have a, a Coinbase account set up. If you'd like to give by cryptocurrency, you can do that too. Um, there's many ways to give, but if you're going to partner with this ministry, we encourage you to go to the website and click on that partner page and fill out that account. Uh, and stand with us on a monthly basis. For everybody that's sowing $85 or more this month, we're sending you this book by Brother Kenneth Hagin entitled Biblical Keys to Financial Prosperity. If you'd like to receive it and you've sown seed, go to miracleword.com forward slash offer. Please fill out the form so we know where to send it. We don't want to have to have a word of knowledge to know where to send your book. So please fill it out and uh, we'll get it to you as soon as possible. Uh, those that are sewing at the level of $1,000 or more, I got one of these for you. We sent out multiple ones today. I signed them. Uh, this is the Life Application Study Bible, genuine leather uh, in New Living Translation. It's a wonderful study Bible to go deep uh, in the instruction of the Word and the study of the Word. All kinds of tools in here to help you. And then we've just created something called the Elite Study Collection. And this is something uh, that we created as a way to say thanks. To those that are sowing $5,000 or more, uh, there's people sowing $10,000, $15,000 more. You know, people are standing with us at large amounts, and maybe the Lord's speaking to you to do that. And this is our way to say thank you. And this is a great package. It's custom box, a keepsake, uh, five of the best study materials I believe you can have, and uh, it, will, it will help you. It will help you. Yeah. Interesting, Caitlin. And it's amazing, see, because the Lord... He'll always keep you in a place where you're able to increase. Caitlin was just sharing. She said, the Lord uh, is, was telling me to increase our giving. And then you said it over the thing. Here's the thing. The Lord will always lead you in a way to go to greater levels of increase. I can remember all the times he's done it for us. All the times. I remember when sowing a $100 seed used to be a big deal for me. I can remember that. And I think, man, 
you know, and then, then I started doing it all the time. Then I remember the first time I sewed a thousand and we, then we started doing it all the time. I remember the time we, we, we sewed 2,500 and then we started doing it all the time, 5,000 and 10,000 and more. And, uh, it, it just, you start to realize your faith grows and then your seed has to grow because God's taking you to greater levels. You can't do the same thing and expect greater levels of increase. You've got to go to a next level of, de- of dedication for next levels of blessing. And that is the Holy Ghost. He always leads you to blessing. Always leads you to blessing. I'll be back again in the morning at 1030. And then Carolyn's back tomorrow afternoon at 2 p.m. You don't want to miss that. If you missed her broadcast from yesterday, go back and watch on YouTube. Uh, it's there for you to watch. Um, I also wanted to say that we've got starting this Sunday, uh, this next tent meeting coming up in Raleigh, North Carolina. My father's preaching. Uh, my mother might be there. The team will be there. I'll be there doing music with the band preaching. Um, it's going to be great. We have three more tent meetings left. Raleigh, North Carolina, Roxboro, North Carolina, Albemarle, North Carolina. All of the confirmed dates uh, are on the website, miracleword.com. You can go there. We'd love to see you in person. We'd love to have you in person. The brand new magazine is about to drop. Check out the cover of it. You got that uh, slide for the brand new magazine, Maddie? Let's show them that cover. This is one of my favorite things because the Lord dealt with me very specifically about this topic to the point where I knew I had to write on it and give it to you guys. And I dealt with this subject of blind guides. What do I mean by blind guides? Well, the subtitle explains it. It's that how spiritual leaders have lied to an entire generation about the Holy Ghost. How spiritual leaders, I blame preachers and pulpits that have stood back from uh, the message of the Holy Spirit, the manifestation. Is it up at the top? You had it just a minute ago. There it is. Blind guides. How spiritual leaders have lied to an entire generation about the Holy Ghost. If you don't receive our magazine, you need to get it. MiracleWord.com forward slash live. You can fill out the form. Now listen, if you already are subscribed, don't do it again. But if you're not, Sign up. We even will send you a digital copy overseas. Uh, We'll get you this and put it in your hands and uh, it'll bless you. Carolyn wrote a powerful article. There's some, there's some stuff in here we're announcing. You're not going to want to miss it. We always give you the good stuff. And so um, if you haven't done it, do it. I love you guys so much. Thanks for hanging with me today. I'll see you again in the morning. Have a great Thursday and be blessed. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.